Welcome to the Smart Pacific Podcast from the PTC. Introducing more insights from ICT thought leaders in the Pacific and beyond is your host, Steve McClelland. Welcome to Smart Pacific. We ask, is Brazil the trendsetter in terms of rolling out broadband? Brazil is a large country in every sense. With a land area of over 3 million square miles, it's the largest country in Latin America by far, and the fifth largest country in the world. It has a population to match, over 200 million people. It has many remote communities. So connectivity, particularly broadband connectivity, was always going to be a major challenge. Brazil, however, has opened up its regulatory policies to encourage the formation of community networks from small providers in some of the most remote places on Earth. Alongside this, new ideas mean new roles for OTT players as well as telco incumbents. Smart Pacific caught up with El Bran Balbino Silva, who is competition superintendent at Anatel, the Brazilian regulator, to find out more. I first asked him to outline the current Brazilian situation and how things have been made to work. We are a continental country, and today we think that the current situation is that in Brazil we we can see the broadband market growing very fast, and especially because in Brazil we have a very interesting phenomenon that we are calling small providers. We have something like 10,000 small providers in Brazil. They are providers which a very small network, but especially in the countryside, that they're building their own infrastructure with special regulatory conditions. And it's increasing very fast, the connecting people not connected by the big companies. And it's a very interesting phenomenon in Brazil. If we sum up all the access for these small providers, it would be the third provider in Brazil. How were you able to regulate and incentivize this? We still have big groups, four big groups in Brazil. But because of how big the country is very, very big, and these companies were not very aware to go in special to the countryside, but we could establish some conditions for the small companies to rise. In special, what we did, we reduced the regulatory burden for small companies who have uh, some regulations that just apply it at the certain level of, of users. And then the small providers are not at the same regulatory regime of the others in terms of taxes, in terms of consumer protection uh, regulation, quality regulation, interconnection regulation. And they also have access to the network of the big companies. For example, the wholesale infrastructures, all the wholesale activities are available to the the small companies. They have conditions to compete and also to build their own infrastructure. I think that if you put in an X, in one side, profitability, in the other side, non-profitability. Of course, if you see, there are regions that there's no profitability. But the big companies are in this area. But there are many others in the middle that can be profitable, not at the level of profitability of the big companies. That's the point that we are trying to achieve. There are many areas 
that could be profitable if we create conditions to the small companies to be established. And that's the, the strategy that we built in, in the country. And we are creating conditions to connect the people with no subsidy from the government because we are creating conditions to the small companies to rise. So there's no subsidy element? No, in this strategy, no. Of course, we, we are discussing in the country, we discuss a lot because we still have something like 10% of the population with need, will need subsidy. It's important. One important thing, we divided the country in four areas that we call competitive, moderate competitive, potentially competitive, and non-competitive. In this non-competitive, we need subsidy. But in this third area that we, we call potentially competitive, we are developing this kind of strategy, creating conditions to the small companies to rise and access the network of the big companies. And it is simulating the broadband this requires a careful calibration, however, doesn't it, in the regulatory space? And how is that being achieved? The best incentive is do not put the state, the, the bureaucratic machine of the state, in the middle, what we are calling to this company. You don't need license. You don't need regulation, consumer regulation. You just go there, make your infrastructure and provide the service. I don't want to be an obstacle to you. We remove the bureaucracy for these companies. How far do people on the ground, the consumers and the communities, identify with these new players? It's a very interesting phenomenon because the small provider came from the same city of the citizen. For example, if you are in a small city, you know the owner of the company. You can talk directly to him because it's a small company. Sometimes you have four or five employees in this company. They just built a small network, a small fiber network, because this company all use fiber to connect because fiber is becoming cheaper and then... They can provide a service with quality because the proximity with the customer. They don't need call center. They don't need very big billing process because the operation is very small. They, they just need the network and a good uh, level of relationship with the customer because they are very small. They don't have more than 1,000, 10,000 users. That's the point because they are very, very, very small. What sort of regulatory thresholds and stipulations are in place to achieve the obligations? This is the point that we're discussing now. In the past, what we did, we, the definition of the small providers is about the cap of users. It was 50,000 users. But we are discussing, it will be in our commissioner meeting for tomorrow, we are proposing to establish a, a better definition for this, we are still defining combinating market share and other revenues, situations, conditions for revenues in order to establish a better definition for that. But we, for now, the definition of small providers is just additional 50,000 users. How far does your regulatory requirement extend, for example, in terms of coverage or in terms of economic benefit? It is very difficult to define uh, this kind of criteria. Basically, we have two big directives. First of all, improve the infrastructure. Second one, do it with sustainability. What we call sustainability, I think the sector must continue providing the services with the, the companies healthy. It's difficult to see, but it's the principle. It's the general principle. And these two big directives we have to track 
the activities of all company collecting data and analyzing and think that we have to try to remove the, the obstacles of the, the state of the government because the government sometimes creates too many bureaucracies but today the main obstacle that we have is still is taxes we could remove big part of the taxes for the small providers but the big providers still have too many taxes that is a big discussion that we still have in the country What's the attitude of the big telcos and the service providers to these networks? This is one of the main challenges that we have because as I told you we have many providers and how to obligate the big companies to provide wholesale access, what we created. We created a broker, private broker. We obligate the companies to, to create a private broker with a system that works like financial broker. All the wholesale assets is negotiated in this broker. There is no direct bilateral negotiation. All the negotiations of wholesale access must be done in this central broker. And the central broker is controlled by the regulator. So I can see all the contracts and all the KPIs between the big companies and the small companies. And I can track all these negotiations. And that's that's why we, it's very transparent to the big companies because all the negotiations must be done there and I can control all the contracts. That's the point that we could achieve this. Because, for example, if I'm a small provider and I want to have access to a lizard line, sometimes I could go to the big company, so I, I want a lizard line, and the company goes, no, I, I provide it in, in, in six months. No, I need it in 15 days. What we did, the company go to this broker and select, I want a, a lizard line from this point to this point. And he can see if there is infrastructure available. And if there is infrastructure available, they make the purchase. They ask for the, this leased line. And I control all the KPIs, internal KPIs of the company until the delivery of this leased line. This is one thing that we established in 2012. And we decreased the, the complaints of wholesale access in the regulator. Presumably the big conurbations in Brazil, such as Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo, do not face the same regulatory challenges. Yes, 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 because the density there is very appropriate in order to attract companies to go there and make infrastructure. That's why we divided the country in four different countries, because Brazil is very big. And then, if you see, we have just 25 municipalities that we can say they are competitive, because this is in the very urban area. We have something like 10% of the population is in a competitive area, 45% in moderate competitive, 35% in the level 3 that's potentially competitive, and 10% of the population is in the countryside, in the most far regions that we need subsidies. Do your requirements carry any technology stipulations? No, we don't. We are, we're trying to be neutral in terms of technology. What are Brazil's plans for 5G? 5G for us is a big challenge because I think for now there is no clear business cases for 5G. I am discussing with many operators here in Europe since last year and what I've heard and also from our companies in Brazil is that there's no big differences between 5G and 4G in terms of the mobile activities. But maybe there will be other business cases. But the, the point is that when, when you do the math, there's no many big ways to make money in 5G yet. At least there is one 
business case that is being discussed is that use 5G for fixed broadband. In order to replace uh, our situation that we don't have fiber, we can use uh, 5G to provide. But for today, we are maybe we're evaluating to make an auction next year for 3.5. We don't have yet a clear position about if this auction will be taken, but we are planning to make it next year. But it's not very clear about the business case of 5G. That's why we have some doubt. In Brazil, you now have a very interesting situation in the relationship between the telecom community and the inbound OTT providers. This may be unique in the world. What's going on? Basically, the first round of the discussion between OTTs and telco, it was we need to regulate OTTs because they are making the same activity as the telcos. But the point is that they have many interdependencies because OTTs need a good network and the telcos need uh, the OTTs in order because they, they increase the traffic that they are monetizing. The point is that we decided to let them make agreements, to make partnerships. Let's use an exposed approach. Forget to regulate OTTs in an excellent basis. Let everyone make their agreements and if there are conflicts between OTTs and telcos, we can mediate the conflicts in an exposed basis. Making mediation, many meetings and arbitrating the results and they are accepting this approach. What we can see in Brazil as an example, we have some discussions of joint ventures between content providers, OTTs and small providers in order to build infrastructure. We have other examples of OTTs developing content delivery networks in the the broadband providers networks. My personal view is that if we promote a good relationship between these two environments, these two environments can survive and live together in order to make their business in parallel. So in summary, this strategy provides for the possibility that networks will be built which would otherwise not have been possible or investable, at the same time as guaranteeing coverage and other socio-economic benefits. That's the point, because the big telcos understand that they also much change their old business models. They have to think that voice is not my best market, my best business. My business is to provide broadband with quality. That's the point, and the business model for that is being changed in the last years. Albran, Balbino, Silva, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to, to discuss, to talk with you. That's it from Smart Pacific. Show notes are available on the PTC website at ptc.org. Check them out. Thanks for listening. PTC is the premier global nonprofit membership organization promoting ICT in the Pacific Rim. Get involved in the world's most dynamic ICT region. Join PTC today. Participate in PTC seminars and conferences. Engage in PTC research programs. Make web contributions to PTC outreach. Share our dialogue and these PTC podcasts. Help us by rating them on iTunes. For more information about what PTC can do for you, see ptc.org.